What's happening guys, this is George from Necropolis, Southampton based UK metal band and you are listening to KFMP Misery Point Radio. Travelers, thanks for joining me again on Misery Point Radio. I appreciate you risking life and limb to hang out with me here in the wasteland. I promise I won't squander the opportunity to brainwash the masses into helping me spread the MPR gospel and aid me in my continuing journey to purge the musical wasteland of all that the suck. So listen up, minions. Today's sermon will definitely purge your corrupted ear holes and quite possibly cleanse your colon at the same time. It's like a twofer. Consider it a bonus for a job well done. You're welcome. Uh, joining us today from the UK in the wasteland is my good friend George Van Buren, or GVB as I call him, from Southampton-based extreme metal band Necropolis. Now, I know what you're thinking. God damn, Mike, another act from the UK? And my answer to that is, yes, bitches. What can I say? I get a lot of Misery Point Radio love from the UK, and there's more on the way, so suck it. Anyway, GVB and I had an awesome chat about Necropolis. We, of course, covered the origin of the band, specifically why he chose to be the solitary overlord rather than go the full lineup route. We also covered the evolution of his style and sound, his arsenal of instruments that he uses to create his dark masterpieces, and his upcoming album, Fallen Messiah, which is due out on September 30th, just a short couple of days away. Additionally, we went down a quick rabbit hole to discuss his other project, the Metal Maelstrom Coalition, and his partnership with the legendary Gary Groves, who was due to join us today, but sadly ran into a slight issue with the case of the Rona. And uh, he had to take a rain check, so don't worry your ugly little heads, though. I'll be catching up with Gary real soon to talk in-depth about the Metal Maelstrom Coalition, World Salvation, English Football, and other random awesomeness. So... Hang up on that Zoom call, get your hand out of your pants, and prepare your ear sphincters for a good rogering. Check it out. Hey, George. Welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for being here. Glad we could finally make this happen. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate your time on this. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to give a quick shout out to uh, my brother from another UK mother, Gary Groves, who was supposed to be here today, but unfortunately... He got the fucking Rona, and so he's uh, sitting home uh, being a sick boy. So, Gary, love you, brother, and, and we'll catch up again uh, soon. So, uh, hope he's hope he's doing good out there. Um, so, I am, of course, a big fan of Necropolis, and uh, I think you and I have talked about doing this for a while off and on, and I've been listening to your music and doing a little bit of homework. And uh, so, the more I hear, the more I want to hear. So, before we dig into the kind of the meat and potatoes of what you're all about, let's get a little bit of background on you. So, first and foremost, I know that you're over there in the UK, but you don't have a UK accent. Where are you, where are you from? Uh, I, I, I'm trying to pinpoint this. I am from South Africa. Oh. I, I moved over this way about 10 years ago. Okay. And what was the reason for the move? Um, just uh, wanted some some nice sunshine that the UK is known for? <laughs> um, two reasons, really. Uh, my wife was over here because she's, she's English. Um, and in a matter of about two months, I was attacked and stabbed three times. So I thought maybe it's time to sort of get away from that environment. You were attacked and stabbed three times in South Africa. 
yeah, three different three different incidences over a span of about two or three months. Involving different people? Yeah, involving different people. <laughs> You're just randomly walking down the road. People are stabbing you. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you joke about that, but that's actually one of the one of the uh, cases. I was walking home from gym, and randomly a guy came and pulled a knife and he caught me in the shoulder. Just fucking random. That's just so bizarre. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's all that, gang initiation, though. That's what it is. Oh, uh, is that what it is? Yeah, the, the area I lived in was quite like a uh, a slum area, like a high gang. So, so you said I got a GTFO and, uh, well, and you <laughs> GTFO'd. So, well, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you go, folks. Cool story about, uh, the reasons why to not live in the neighborhood that GVB used to live in, in South Africa. So, uh, <laughs> now, now you said, uh, you're in the, in the Southampton area in the UK, right? Where exactly is that to put that in relation to somebody who's not familiar with the UK? Do you know where London is? I do know where London is. It's practically yeah. next door to me, but not really. <laughs> it's nowhere near there. <laughs> <laughs> it's nowhere near London. Okay. Um, it's basically on the uh, southeast coast. Okay. But not too far up. Sort of like al- almost central, almost, but not quite. So we consider southeast. Okay. Awesome. And so uh, you've been there for, for quite some time now, but uh, I assume that your your musical journey as an artist probably started back in uh, the days when you were a wee lad. Is that a correct assumption? That is a correct assumption, yeah. Yeah, so kind of tell us about, you know, what got you into playing music and what were kind of some of those early bands that really got those uh, musical juices flowing for you? So I, I wasn't always um, into metal. Uh, I, I originally came from quite a religious family, and metal was Satan's music, it, the typical stereotype, you know. Sure. And um, uh, something something shifted in my folks, and uh, they sort of fell out of the, the church scene and gave us a bit more leeway to what, what we were influenced by. And at that time, I, I heard Twist the Knife by Napalm Death, oh. and I, I absolutely fell in love. I was like, Oh my God! This this stuff is absolutely amazing, and that sort of shaped my my interest in in the metal genre. And back then, you know, I thought metal was metal. Little did I know you got grindcore and you got death metal and black metal. And, you know, I won't go into the detail. Um, and it sort of got progressively heavier. I sort of listened to things like Suicide Silence, Deicide, um, Infant Annihilator, Pig Destroyer, like really really heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, by that point, I was already playing guitar, but I couldn't play like them. I, I was like sort of Metallica, playing Metallica stuff. So um, I was like, well, let's, let's start a band. Why not? So why I got not? my brother involved. Yeah, why not? <laughs> got my brother involved. Um, he was playing bass. I was in guitar. And we uh, managed to – I can't remember how it happened. We got hold of a guy who could do uh, death metal vocals. And we're like, hey, man, come join us. It'll be really cool. And he came around and he auditioned and we loved him. He loved us. We were like, sweet. And he knew a drummer. So that sort of like clicked into place. And we formed a band called uh, Neocon. It's N-E-O-C-O-N, Neocon. I can't remember where the name came from. I think it was sort of one of those things where everyone had a couple of names in a hat. We shook the hat around, but picked the first one, and that was the name to make it fair. Um, and that went really well. Um, that was around 2006, 2006, 2007. Um, while with, uh, Neocon, we sort of developed more of a grind core sound, like wall of sound, sort of, you know, cultural vocals. 
and we were invited out to a, a charity festival over in Port Elizabeth in South Africa called uh, Beck Fund Dubai, where we played and got a really good reception, really, really good reception, um, considering that all the other bands were already well-known. They were signed by Witch Doctor Records and had their own things going on. Um, and through that gig, the drummer, sorry, not drummer, the vocalist was headhunted by an Australian band whose name fails me now completely, but they were, <laughs> they were quite, quite big at the time. But um, So he went over there and the band sort of neutralized itself. Uh, the, the drummer is sort of playing for a, a rock band. So my brother and I were like, well, we can't let this die. Let's just try and st- start this up again. And it was a bit of a struggle. Um, the industry isn't, or when I was there, wasn't very big because of, of culture, cultural differences and you know, how they how they look at the metal scene, especially in the area where we were from, which is the Eastern Cape, you know, East London, Port Elizabeth area. Um, we've got a couple of guys together and we formed another band called Subliminal. But that never really took off, really. We did a couple of like local gigs. Um, and then there was terrible drama within the band, and it sort of fizzled out. Wait, hold on. Drama in a band? You're on oh, crash. I know, That's right? crazy. I, 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 I know, right? Un, un, unheard of. <laughs> Absolutely unheard of. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you uh, kind of just experimented and... and I guess that's, you know, a pretty common tale. You know, you just end up with people and this guy knows this guy and this guy knows this guy. And, you know, usually it's not a bunch of friends get together and decide they want to do it. It's it's random people thrown together and some people maintain those bonds and other people fuck off and go somewhere else. And uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so um, but you kind of when you started playing, you you were drawn kind of to the heavier side of the spectrum at that point when you decided that you kind of wanted to to get into actually playing music. And you mentioned Napalm Death, because usually when I talk to folks over in the UK, obviously, you know, Napalm is a huge factor um, from for all the way from the grindcore days till kind of those, you know, uh, middle of the road days. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of like the the Harmony Corruption era, you know, the with kind of more when they were a little bit more death metal sounding than the grindcore. But uh, yeah. they're kind of one of those bands that have gone you know, multiple different directions with their sound. And no matter which way they go, uh, those Napalm fans are, are fucking diehard. And you said Pig Destroyer. That's like a super <laughs> underrated band. And I wish more people knew about them because they're brutal as fuck. And <laughs> uh, I mean, they're just so in your face. What a great band. And um, I'm going to have to go on a Pig Destroyer rampage, I think, and just uh, <laughs> play a bunch of their shit. Because, uh, yeah, that's uh, I hadn't thought about them in a long time. And, and you just jog my memory. So, uh, yeah props on that um <laughs> so getting then into necropolis now this is uh kind of a this is a one-man band this is all you you're kind of like the uh uk south african version of bathory you know where you're just kind of doing this all yourself so what brought you from doing the band route to deciding you wanted to do kind of a project and just control all those elements was it you're just sick of people or did you just have ideas that you were unable to communicate? I think a little bit of both. You know, I think it sounds like you're speaking from experience. There. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, the the bands I found myself playing in, when when it came to sort of suggesting riffs, I found sometimes the drummer wasn't able to keep up or keep time, especially when you started doing like sort of blast blast sounds. They were like, "Oh, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what to do here," and I was like, "Oh." Or, you know, 
internal internal fighting where it's like you can't have your girlfriend at practice and then like oh but why not it's this it's drama so i got sick and tired of the, the the drama aspect of having to put up with other people and and allow them to uh, manipulate my artistic interpretation of certain things so i thought you know what fuck it i'm gonna just do it myself uh, that way i'm in control i'm i every aspect of the song I'm doing. I'm, I'm formulating it. I'm recording it. I am mixing it. I'm distributing it. I'm yeah. not answering to anybody. Yeah. And uh, so was that kind of a gradual thought process or was there like a catalyst one day you said, you know what, I'm out? I think if I, if I had really put thought into it, it would probably just uh, it grew on me and grew on me and grew on me. And, and over time, I think as I got older, I've become more grumpy and more anti, <laughs> anti-human being. <laughs> You know, I'm only 34, but I act like a 60 year old and I'm like, these damn kids. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> pretty, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So um, now how did you end up uh, choosing Necropolis as the name? Uh, now I, there, there seems to be, as I'm doing some homework, a little bit of a tie in to maybe another band that you were in and there was a, uh, a name of an album. Um, so what's, what's the story with, uh, with the name for Necropolis? So originally, the, the, I actually called it State Funeral. Right. S-T-A-T-E, Funeral. And uh, the, I had to change it because what basically happened was there's another band in Brazil called State Funeral, and they were touring at the time. Oh. And Spotify, being Spotify, got their tour dates on my page. And there was just one big cock-up. Right. So I was like, no, no, no. I need to try and find something a little bit more, you know, less mainstream. Okay. Um. And I used to be a tattooist, and I actually had a, a tattoo design that I tattooed, I, I designed for someone, never got it done. It was like a, a skull with um, like biomechanical work, and then it went into a graveyard, and then it was like it looks like tree roots, which formed the words necropolis. And he wanted that on his arm, and never got it done. And I thought, hang on, that's actually a fucking nice name for a metal band. I'll I'll use that. Right. So, um, yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned that because as I was digging around, I think maybe it was on your Bandcamp profile or something like that. I was like, huh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a genius. I'm putting things together. Um, so <laughs> State Funeral uh, evolves into Necropolis. And then, of course, you release State Funeral kind of as an album in around 2018, right? Yep, spot on. <laughs> <laughs> so now your sound um, has is kind of you do a lot of different things, you know, uh, with your sound, kind of like how Napalm does a lot of different things with their sound. Necropolis kind of bridges that gap. There are some grindy elements, but really, I would say that my interpretation of kind of what you do is it's kind of rooted in standard death metal. But then you have some experimental phrases. And for instance, I'm listening to stuff and on one hand, I hear kind of almost a melodic, you know, folk metal sound, kind of like amorphous almost or early Opeth yeah. or, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then on other uh, stuff, I mean, I hear since you mentioned Pig Destroyer, there's some there's some brutality <laughs> with kind of those thrash elements and there's just a fucking all kinds of cool shit going on there. So when you set out to do this band, did you have kind of a, a concept in mind for the sound or was this going to be something where you're like, I'm going to play with this for a while? Yeah, I, d- I didn't, I don't think I had a sound at first. I don't think I had something in mind at first. I sort of just like put things out to see, to test the water. Now, if I'm brutally honest with myself, the first like 
nine singles. If I listen to them now, I'm like, oh, why did I release that? Right. <laughs> but but I won't take them off because I think it shows the journey of how we are started to where I am now. I mean, the stuff the stuff I'm doing now is is light years better in terms of, of, of quality studio qu- recording quality. Um, but if you listen to things like originally, I think the first track I released was synthetic. It was the first thing I put out there, and it's it's got like a little like a, a xylophone synth in the back, and it was it was really cool. And um, one of my mates was like, "Oh, it's very Marilyn Manson with like the the croaky vocals." And I'm like, "It isn't the sound I want to go for. I don't want to go for a Manson. I want to go for something more, a little bit heavier." And um, <clears throat> I was listening to a couple of like old 90s uh, new metal bands. And a lot of them do this whole distorted voice box, you know, like uh, anemic do it, anemic do it a lot. They, they think into like a voice box and it just distorts the vocal. And I'm like, that's really cool. And modern bands don't do that. Everyone's going gent. Everyone's gent, 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 gent. And I'm like, well, yeah, gent's cool, but no, no one's doing this anymore. So I was like, well, let me make this my sound. From, from, so from the anointed one onwards, that that it wasn't then my sound. I'm gonna put little vocal pieces, talking pieces, or growling pieces in with that voice box effect. Yeah, and so and going for like the anointed one, for instance. I mean, you're talking about not that long of a time frame from the progression. Progression. So like you know, 2018 to I think uh, what it anointed come out in like 2020, just just last year, really. Yeah, so, yeah, just um, last year. And it's funny you mention as far as going back and listening to old shit. That that is the the forever cross to bear for the musician who wants nothing but the best representation of what they want to do. And you're never satisfied with old stuff. I've talked to millions of people at this point and almost all of them say, yeah, man, I listen to my old shit and I just cringe or I want to throw it out the window or yeah, I want to I want to just say, oh, that was a different band. But I think you hit the nail on the head like for me. And I, I mean, I've been there. I look back and, uh, you know, a buddy of mine that I played in a band with, you know, 30 years ago, we're talking about releasing stuff that we that we never released. And, you know, we go back and we listen to it and it's just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, do we really want to do this? Right. For nostalgia's sake, it's great. For technicality and proficiency sake, it's not. But you do want to show, you know, that journey because it is kind of a track record of, you know, where where you've been and where you're going. Uh, and I, yeah. I think that's awesome. So, you know, when I listened to, to State Funeral, um, yeah, it was it was pretty, you know, kind of straight ahead. And I think Anointed One really started introducing more elements into your sound. Um, yeah. You know, the vocals, I, I feel like, were kind of more of a focus on anointed one. I think there was a lot of emphasis placed on, on that specific element of your songwriting. Was that intentional? That was intentional. So the, the anointed one wasn't actually together together. Um, it was sort of sporadic. I had a little bits and pieces and I wasn't sure where I was going with it. And I didn't even have an album cover. I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing with this. Um, and then my mom passed in October. Oh shit. Sorry. Dude. And, no, that's all right. <laughs> and then uh, that, that sort of like, I, I went through a bit of a, a, a heavy, 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 like depressed state. But coming coming out of that, you know, looking back in hindsight, that is what sort of drove me to complete the album. And, and if, you, if, you listen to, if you look at some of the, the, the songs um, and look at some of the lyrics, I, I, now that you know that, you, I think it, it shines through. So I, I really wanted there to be 
a message in the vocal line of that of that album. And the Fallen Messiah is no different. There's, there's a lot of like, sort of personal personal aspects in the new album. They 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 sort of, sort of like I said this to Sean Sean Snayman yesterday on the Metalhead Pub. The um, the one, the Fallen Messiah, is Necropolis's Lose Your Illusion One and Use Your Illusion Two. Okay. It's the same album. Yeah. So it's kind of just uh, almost a concept in the sense that it's one is the evolution of the other. Yeah, it's literally one is the evolution of the other. Well, we're going to check out a song right now from the first part of that evolution. So from their 2020 album, The Anointed One, here's Necropolis with no reason. There is no reason for this sacrifice. Cast into this abyss Close eyes, seal charts Hiding your insecurity Goodbye, seal charts Just run and hide Close eyes, seal charts Hiding your insecurity Close my seal shot Just run and hide Engaging this torment Failing to connect Battle into the noise Torment until the day I die Torment until the day I die Close 
So with uh, with the new stuff coming out, then were you really approaching things different, or were you just kind of honing the craft? I think the, the, my approach has always been the same. I, I think I've, I'm set in my ways when it comes to songwriting and, and sort of putting the track together. Um, but I feel like with, with the last two albums, especially the Fallen Messiah, I've I, I, like you say, I've been more focused. I'm, I'm sort of a honing in. The, the, the album originally had 15 tracks. Before before release, I, I cut four because I didn't feel that they they were up to standard of the the other 11. They just didn't didn't feel right. So I just I cut them. Okay. Well, that plus a 15 track album is uh, that's a lot of stuff. I mean, that's a that's a double LP right there, right? So. Um, so the four that you cut, I mean, are they still going to kind of exist in the ether to be reworked later? Or did you say, fuck it, these are gone, never to be heard again? No, no, no. So the, I like some of the elements of the tracks. I just don't like the way they fit together. So what I'll probably do is later on, I'll dissect them and take the pieces I like and see if I can get them to fit into one track. Yeah. So with uh, your new project then... This is uh, slated to be coming out pretty soon, right? Five days. Five days. Uh, that's awesome. And so are you going to do like, you know, premieres or, you know, kind of any uh, singles? What's the plan for the album launch? So I, I definitely want to put it onto Bandcamp. I think that's, that's a must. I'm, I'm actually, I'm lagging a little bit behind. Uh, I need to put the anointed one on there as well. Uh, well, I wasn't going to say it, but yeah, it's, it's, it should all be there, right? It should, but it's not. Um, I also have a, I have a Wix website. So all my stuff is on Wix website, sort of like a little um, domain, which links anyone to all of my socials, my, my Instagram, my TikTok, the, the, the works. Right. Um, I work alongside, uh, no, that's like a, a two-person little marketing company called uh, Crimson Studios. So I'm going to get get them on board to help me sort of like try and do like little um, video interludes of, of some of the tracks. I also have just spoken to someone who is a um, he shoots music videos for a living. Oh, cool. Uh, so he's not he's super keen to sort of get on board and, and do a video for me. Um, 
And then I think I'll do the same thing I did with the Anointed One, where I'll do a couple of uh, uh, lyric videos, some of the the tracks which get a lot of plays, and pop that out on YouTube. And then, of course, utilize the socials. So utilize like um, Metal Maelstrom, uh, Heaps of Metal, and all those Facebook groups to sort of try and, and get more listeners and more more traffic to my Spotify. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I think I definitely dig kind of where you've been, you know, taking this and I'm excited to, you know, kind of hear some new stuff um, as far as, you know, controlling the whole process then. So, so you play the instruments and you also handle the recording and all the production. Do you do that entirely yourself? Do you outsource any mixing or mastering or anything like that? Everything is done right here behind me <laughs> yeah so uh give me a rundown then kind of uh on your recording rig uh you know what platform are you using to do your recording with so i'm using cubase 8 okay awesome cubase yeah. you, you're keeping it old yeah. school man i remember cubase yeah yeah cubase I, I i've tried reaper um i just didn't i didn't get along with that it wasn't sort of my feel where i i've worked with cubase 5 before so i, I knew what i was doing to a degree so i was like well i'll go i'll go with eight yeah. And uh, as far as then your instrumentation, I mean, I, I see a rack full of guitars and, and whatnot behind you there. Yeah. So what's, uh, you know, what's your, your main, say, uh, rhythm guitar and then what's your main, uh, I don't know, uh, I guess, lead or, or guitar that you do other sounds with? So in the recording process, it's five of my 14 guitars get used for the recording process. Okay. Uh, and I've actually written them down so I don't fuck this up <laughs> oh because you knew i was gonna ask you this i have a feeling. I, yeah. <laughs> look at that he's got um, notes gentlemen so i use a artist and dominus eight it's an eight string artist guitar they're an australian company um it's a budget guitar but i, I honestly cannot fault it. it it competes with my my bc rich and my epiphone it's a really good guitar um that point you'll hear on tracks like uh obscurity they're like boom in the beginning is, is the eight string. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's sort of like a, a, a quote unquote rhythm guitar. Uh, I use a court Xenox Z42 for soloing okay. only because it has what's known as a power sound PSL, PS, PSLF L2 and L3 pickup. So it's got like a little switch you, you pull out and it increases the gain on the, on the sound without having to actually increase the gain on your DAW. So you, you, you have more headroom. Crazy. When mixing it into your mix, yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, recently, uh, I was sent a Harley Benton EX84. That thing is absolutely insane. I mean, it's, it's a hundred and it's a hundred and fifty nine pound guitar, so it's not not top range, but it it handles beautifully. It's got um, the Harley Benton's own HBZ high gain uh, humbuckers. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Once again, I'd, that. It's more of a solo guitar. The HBZs handle, to, to me, they feel a little bit like the Zach Wilde 8185 EMG combination. It's the same sort of feel to it. If you flip it up, it's very, very like treble. If you flip it down, it's more like a bassy tone to it. Right. So it's really good. Um, my, my workhorse is my Stag Mockingbird. So I have a history with that guitar. It's a guitar I had in, in, in Neocon. So it's just like my baby. It's also, once again, it's not a, a major name brand. And a lot of guys like, slate me for using a stag. Oh, it's a stag. You, you should buy yourself a Gibson. Or it's, it's, it, it is what it is. And then I have a BC Rich War Beast 1 with an EMG 81 conversion in it. Nice. So it's 
Yeah, so it, it, it depends on, on the track, really, what I use for what and the feel I want to I want to achieve on that particular track. Yeah, and uh, for, for the bass tracks? I have a stellar five-string jazz bass. Because you're so jazzy. I'm so jazzy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, I don't see a drum kit behind you, so I assume we're going the electronic route on that, right? Yeah, you can't see it, but over there I've got a little... Um, MIDI controller. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I, at once, uh, at one stage in my life, I thought I I would, uh, try to learn all of that uh, electronic drumming and all that stuff. And then I realized I'm just not smart. I just can't, I just can't figure out how to, how to make, make it do what I want it to do. Um, so (laughs) I was more successful at, uh, plucking strings, minimally more successful, I might add, not majorly more successful. Um, but at least I could make sounds <laughs> with the guitars. That's what, you know, that's why I talk to musicians now. That's why I don't play music that often anymore. Um, cause I get more success talking to people about what they do than showing people what I can do. So if I'm just going to be honest about it, um, no, I, I think that's awesome. So you've got this really cool kind of contained setup that works for you that you're able to produce, uh, fully in house and I assume then that uh, because you're controlling every element, um, that every time you lay something down, you're satisfied with it. Now your brain says, okay, I need to do something more now. I need to do something and try new things. Because that's how my brain works. Like it's never uh, you're satisfied with it. It's like, oh, that was good, but I probably could have done this. Is that what you do too? Absolutely. And I think where I'm not paying per hour, I'm not paying an engineer per hour, I've got the it's the curse of being able to go, no, 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 that, that takes suck to go back, do it again. No, 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 that takes suck. Go back, do it again, do it again, do it again. It's, it's, it's I, I wish I could, I could show you one of my projects. It's, it's nothing to see like take 93 on a small one minute guitar piece. Yeah. I'm just not, unless the, the mic placement wasn't exactly where it needed to be. It's like, oh, I should have gone more to the cone. Oh no, no, it's too bassy. I need to move it a little bit away. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it, it's a, a bit of a curse yeah. <laughs> being in full, being in full control. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, the other thing that I guess though, when, when I think about people that um, are, are kind of working under the parameters that you're working under, there's one benefit to that. And, and that is the fact that as a kind of a solo artist, there isn't that um, I guess either the possibility or the desire to play out. So the, COVID situation hasn't had the same effect on you from a musical production standpoint as say some other folks in in our industry that have been a little bit more negatively impacted. You can just kind of sit there and still work at your pace and then you don't have the other outside obligations and pressures of what's going on with shows, what's going on with merch, what's going on with this, what's going on with that. Um, not that you haven't, of course, been affected in in other avenues. I'm sure, as as we all have. But um, what what has affected you uh, in terms of you know the the current situation in the world? I mean, do you do you write about it? Do you get inspired by it? Uh, has it had any effect on you whatsoever as an artist? Yeah, I mean, I I, I work in a hospital. That's yeah. my, I'm 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 currently a sterile service technician. I'm, I'm about to become a healthcare assistant. Um, so, and our hospital where I work is the the main um, place for the COVID patients. So we were the hub. Shit. It was at one point we had a, a hundred, hundred and fifty two patients positive. 
Yeah. It was it was absolutely terrible. I mean, working in an environment like that, as somebody who is immunosuppressed, I have an underlying health condition which makes me immunosuppressed. Uh, it causes a lot of anxiety, it causes a lot of stress, and it causes a lot of depression. Sure. Loads. Um, COVID was also one of the reasons why I couldn't fly out to South Africa when my mom passed to go to the funeral. And that, yeah. that also had sort of had like an impact on that. So COVID has definitely affected me. Um, it, from a musical standing, um, not so much really. If anything, it's, it's given me more streams where people weren't able to go out and listen to live music. They're sort of, sort of reverting to YouTube and Spotify. And so my streams sort of doubled sure. over, over the, the lockdowns. So yeah. being a solo, like I said, being a solo artist, not having to worry about those shows, just focusing on getting my links out to people sort of really helped me grow as an artist. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about it as well, uh, kind of bringing this back home since we're, you know, talking about COVID kind of reminds me of Gary. Uh, and, and then we'll, you have another project, um, which is working with other people, which is of course the, the metal maelstrom coalition. Um, and so that being said, you're all working from various places, right? So still, yeah, you, you kind of get that almost band vibe off of it that, that you have uh, other contributions and stuff, but, uh, you still get to kind of sit there, uh, in your, your cozy little master suite that you've got going on. Um, so, uh, now we're going to talk to Gary, uh, pretty in depth about MMC on another show, but let's get a little bit of a cliff notes version here. So how did you get involved with him, uh, in, in that project? It's a, I'll make a long story short. So, um, Gary found Necropolis and contacted me. We started having back and forth chats. Uh, and then he made me an admin of his, his uh, page on Facebook. Um, Middle Maelstrom. And uh, in the in the admin group one day, I was like, you know, it would be cool if like, we got a couple of guys from other bands and we do like a coalition. Yeah. And Gary was like, oh, my God, only if I can play bass for it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's that's, that's really cool. He's like, I, I, know, I know somebody who will do vocals, which was Helen Johnson uh, from Planet Fatale, I think they're called now. They had a name change. Um, and we did the first track and we got uh, – uh, Chris, no, Chris Gedge was, was the second song. We, we released that. Uh, Chris Gedge from um, Mocha Metal Merch, who is an insane guitarist, was like, oh, I, I can collab. And he did like a, a shredding piece in, in our second track. We got Michael Skeech in. And from there, it just sort of snowballed. Now we got guys on standby. I can't keep up with demand. I think it's like four vocalists. Yeah, who who are now waiting for tracks. These are all big names. I, I don't want to name any. In, in, to, I don't want to spoil it, but we've got some like really big artists. I, I know who some of them are, and yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. pretty exciting. And uh, as well as uh, some pretty epic guitarists, uh, kind mm. of uh, in the wings as well. So now, uh, as far as how this differs from you know the the production side of you know you doing Necropolis and then you working with this. Are you kind of laying down foundations and giving the guests, uh, musicians kind of directives on this? Or is this something you say, hey, guys, bring what you want and then I'll make it work? Yeah, so it's nothing worse than being stifled as an artist. So what I do is 
we we now have um, the drummer from Thirteenth Sign as our official drummer. Uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Lloyd Stringer, who is a fuck man. That Thirteenth Sign. I'm gonna I'm gonna go down a rabbit hole for a minute. I fucking love this band. These guys have become one of my favorite bands out there. And uh, God, they just go listen to Thirteenth Sign. I'm telling you, these guys just kick some serious fucking ass. Uh, yeah. And so I, I had those guys on, you know, uh, a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, and, and so huge, huge fan. So when I heard about, uh, Lloyd being involved with that, I just thought that was, that was absolutely epic. So yeah. Anyways, so what, I, what, I, what I do is I will, I will do like a simple, a simple beat. I'll record my guitar piece over that beat and then I'll send him the mix and I'll send him the isolated guitar track. And then basically he does what he wants to do with that. I've got no say in what he does. He's the drummer. I'm not. Right. Then he sends it back to me. I mix it in. That goes to Gary. Gary lays the bass, comes back to me. I mix that in. Then we send that to a vocalist. They've got complete say over what the lyrics are going to be, the title of the song, the pace, all that. They, they are in charge. Comes back to me. I assemble it, and then we, we, we send it out. Yeah. How long does that process take to, say, do one song? Um. Uh, about two months. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of schedules and a lot of different time zones and, you know, a lot of things, uh, going on here. So I, I know that you're sending stuff over to the U S, um, you know, for, for work over this way as well. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, so within a couple of months, uh, you get a song put together. Is there a plan to do like an album or anything, or is this just kind of random one-offs that are going to, going to go on forever? Gary and I were talking about an album now quite recently, so it's it's it's, it's in the in in the works. I just need to try and figure out the logistics because what we would need to do is we would need to get this. We do twelve songs. We would need to get twelve vocalists who are willing, twelve lead guitarists who are willing, and then sort of you know do the do the process of guitars to everyone that needs to go to you know and, and sort of. Try and get the time frames the same because the last thing you want to do is twelve songs, two months a song, to wait twenty four months to release yeah. the album. You want to try and get it out within sort of a twelve to thirteen month time frame. Sure. So logistically, I'll have to sort of like take a good long hard look at it. You take a good hard hard look at that, and also you know maybe cut your production time from two months to one month, which is tough to do <laughs> if uh, if there's you know other people involved that are in some of the folks that. Uh, right now shall remain nameless. Um, let's just say that they're busy people uh, because they're they're doing some of their own epic projects. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, awesome. Well, I, I think uh, MMC, I think, is a great concept uh, born out of a, a great partnership uh, between you and Gary. Having Lloyd come on just kind of sweetens the pot. And I think that when people hear some of this new stuff that's coming out, um, it's just going to blow their minds. So, And the stuff that you guys have already released is also epic. And what is also cool is this is kind of like a, we'll call this like a super group almost because, you know, the people that are coming on are, are obviously, you know, established uh, and some underground stuff as well, but every song sounds different, which is cool, but there still is a cohesive. So for instance, like the, the backbone, I guess the back line of the band still has that really kind of driving sound to it. And that's kind of the one area of continuity. Um, but then, yeah. yeah, different vocals, different lead guitar styles. Um, I, so I, I think the the three of you guys kind of having the core of the band is is what's going to help keep it consistent and still identifiable. So, uh, so yeah, I, I can't can't wait to hear more about that. So uh, now, getting back to Necropolis, 
Um, so you release in five days. Um, are you uh, <laughs> are you ready to let your baby go? I mean, is this something that that uh, you're 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 full on? Like, I just it's time. It's time to do this. Yeah, I think so. You know, um, the the last two, like I said earlier, the last two albums come from a very personal place, mm-hmm. and I think I think getting this this particular album out there and people I've sent it to already, sort of the response to it um, has has helped me grow as an individual. I think, I think it's time that it, 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 it gets wings and it, it fucks off. <laughs> <laughs> and then so, so <laughs> fuck off, move on to something else, right? That's kind exactly. of a, that's the nature of the beast. So uh, what should folks expect out of Fallen Messiah? A different sound. Okay. A different sound. It's, um, it's more along the lines of so if you've listened to the anointed one it's more along the lines of tracks like no reason it's got that sort of feel to it but with the like the voice box vocals in between it touches on some very sensitive topics it touches on things like taking your own life it touches on mental illness um so i think listeners should go into it with an open mind and uh you know just let the, let the the lyrics and music take them to the place where it was written from, so that they can experience they can experience the the full the fullness of what what's being said in the in the, the tracks. Yeah, and I, I think that's a a great point to make. Is I, I know a lot of times when people listen to music, people listen for different reasons that they are attracted to certain elements over other elements. Some might like the you know the guitar music. Some might like the drum. Some might like the overall feel. I yeah. think what I'm hearing from you is that's that's a key element, but really you need to pay attention if you can to what's being said, the the, the themes and the topics of the song that are deeply personal for you um, are, are what help drive kind of your creative elements that you bring to the table. And so we, we don't want to miss those messages. So, uh, so yeah, definitely check out their lyrical content, check out, you know, all the cool things that, that make up the core of these Necropolis songs guys. And I think that you'll be, uh, you'll be blown away as I continue to be. So, uh, uh, one more time there, GVB, how do people listen to uh, Fallen Messiah when it hits the airwaves. So I will be popping it onto my band camp. Okay. <laughs> I, pro- I promise. Uh, on release day. So on the 30th, I'll be popping that onto my band camp. Other than that, you can catch it on Spotify, Deezer, Apple, Amazon, basically any digital platform, literally any digital platform. Uh, you can also find it on uh, Facebook. You can find it on TikTok. Um, or you can visit my Wix website, and the link is on my Facebook page. So if, if listeners go to my Facebook page, Necropolis, the link is there. They can click on that. At the moment, all of my MP3s are free, absolutely free for you to have. All we ask is that if you enjoy it, a small donation, but don't, you don't have to. Yeah. It's uh, definitely worth uh, giving GVB a small donation so that he can keep his very modest lifestyle going. <laughs> and uh, now I just wanted to point out also there are, uh, is there a specific way to look for Necropolis in case there are other uh, projects out there that might have some of the same parts of the names or anything, something that sets you apart? Yeah, yeah. so our logo is a skeletal stag head. Okay. 
Awesome. Yeah. Uh, as you know, as well, it should be. Cause you know, that's yeah, when, exactly. I, when I think of you, that's exactly the image that, <laughs> that pops into my head. So, uh, well, Hey man, this has been awesome. I appreciate you, uh, coming on. You can always count on, uh, myself and misery point radio to support you. We'll be, uh, playing your stuff pretty heavy, uh, when it hits the world. And of course, open door for you. Anytime you want to come back on, talk, uh, talk random shit or whatever, uh, always a, a welcome spot for you here man that's amazing i really appreciate your time man it's been absolutely great yeah so uh ladies and gentlemen george van buren necropolis metal maelstrom coalition <laughs> check it out we'll talk to him again very soon thank you brother see you buddy and thanks of course to all of you out there in radio and podcast land for hanging out in the wasteland now we're going to close this out with one more song so here it is a sneak peek from necropolis off their upcoming album fallen messiah due out september 30th this one's called obscurity 